and welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. It is currently New Year's Eve day afternoon. I guess it's New Year's Eve. It's 4.40 p.m. on New Year's and I have been going through some shit for the last 24 hours, just some personal shit where I'm realizing more and more that you really have to leave people where they are, leave people where they are in 2021 and not to make New Year's too significant because I know it's just like a different number. It's just a different calendar year. It's just another holiday. It's whatever the fuck you want to equate it as. It's really just another day. But at the same time, I don't want to be going into this new year with any forced connections, forced relationships, one-sided bullshit, one-sided love, one-sided affection, forced whatever it is. I want things to flow naturally. I want things to be genuine. I want there to be space in my life for real relationships and not some shit where I'm doing everything for someone and they are doing less than the bare minimum for me. Um, while I'm hearing myself say that I'm not fully accepting it yet and I'm sorry if it sounds very vague, everything that I'm talking about. But since it is New Year's, I figured we could reflect a little bit on this past year and maybe you look a little bit ahead to whatever the fuck is in store for 2022. It's weird recording this episode knowing that there's a bunch of new listeners here. And also knowing that I didn't really plan how this whole pretty much press run of the last month happened. Like the fact that I did Fresh and Fit, then I did No Jumper, then I did... I came, I went back on off the record all in December was very much unplanned and frankly a little bit like not the way I would have liked it because I kind of feel like I blew my whole load of podcasts that I would like to be on all in the span of a few weeks. But the way that it happened was when I was in Los Angeles I had reached out to a girl that I know at No Jumper, letting her know that I was working with an artist that wanted to be on the show. And for some reason, instead of setting up that interview, she wanted me to come on to do one of their like new panel format discussions where it's, you know, two or three different male hosts. And then they invite some girls on to talk about sex and relationships and OnlyFans and all of that stuff. So Obviously, I was down to do it, but the weird thing about it was that after we recorded it a couple weeks ago, and I think I might have mentioned this in the last episode, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember, but after we recorded it, it didn't come out, and so I assumed, because I hit them up asking when it was going to come out, and I never got a response, I actually assumed that it wasn't coming out. Like, I just assumed that it wasn't that good, and frankly, I wasn't even really feeling 100% when we were recording it. I was like, I don't know what I was dealing with. I got a COVID test. It was negative. So it wasn't that. But I was just not feeling all the way 
there. I wasn't feeling as sharp as I would have liked to have felt. I think it's because I had been working a lot. Um, whatever it was, I wasn't feeling on my game all the way. And I just assumed that the episode just probably wasn't that great and it wasn't coming out. So when I was in New York for Christmas and I linked up with Ak and he was doing off the record, I actually wasn't even really supposed to be on that episode, to be completely honest with you. There were the three other girls that had been planned and scheduled to be on it. I was just around and they literally were about to start shooting the episode and I was sitting in the background and the girls who were so sweet, shout out to them. I guess they knew that I wanted to be on it or that I would have been down to be on it, but that like Ak and I hadn't talked about it and that it wasn't really in the plans and I think he didn't even really want me to be on it. I think they knew that and we, me and the girls, we kind of got along and we had just been talking like behind the scenes about whatever they were visiting New York, I was visiting New York, this, that. So we were just talking, but I didn't think that they really fucked with me like that. But then as they're about to start recording the shit, they look at me, they're like, she's not, and then they look at Act, they're like, oh, she's not coming on, please, can she come on? And in my mind, I was like, that's so sweet of them, because they don't have to do that. Me coming on is like taking away, not taking away from their time, but they don't need another bitch there, and they don't even know me that well. And for them to be like, please, can she come on, like let her come on, whatever. That was so fucking nice of them. And then I kind of just looked at me. He was like, fine, you can go back, go on, whatever. Even though I I had already done it before. And off the record drops very shortly after, in my experience, like we recorded it and it just came out like almost immediately after the next day or whatever, because he just filmed so many podcasts. So that came out shortly after we recorded it. And then lo and behold, totally unexpected for me no jumper dropped the next day and everyone was hitting me up like how did you get on off the record and no jumper like back to back and it's really not how it went down there was weeks in between where I really thought that no jumper was not coming out and off the record was frankly a fluke like it wasn't even it was really like I guess a finesse on my end I'm very 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 grateful that they let me come on it but None of it was like planned. None of it was orchestrated. And it definitely wasn't like some grand rollout plan. I mean, I do want, I did want to apply a little bit more pressure at the end of 2021, just knowing that it's the end of the year and going into next year, I'm going to start doing video with this. I'm going to start having a studio. We are going to up the fucking game. I'm going to start having guests on. We're going to start talking about their brokest moments and how they had any sort of financial success in their own lives. Just unpacking all of the ugly shit that happens behind the scenes money-wise and just in your personal life that people don't usually see. So... I am very much looking forward to that. But going into that, subconsciously, of course, I was like, all right, I want to just let me just apply a little bit of pressure, a little bit of a little bit of put my foot on the gas a little bit more, if I can say that, because I am a driver now. But let me just, you know, apply, I guess, more pressure going into the new year. But I truly did not plan to do both of those shows back to back. And it's weird because I checked the numbers on this podcast now and they went up, which is dope. Thank you so much. But in recording this, I was kind of anxious because I was like, damn, I really don't want to disappoint people now. And I also hope that it doesn't look too orchestrated. So 
I say all that to say that as the final episode of 2021, for this final episode, because I have talked in depth, deeply about dancing, about sex work, about sugar daddies, about crypto, about getting scammed, about my failing slash hopefully not failing relationship relationships, because I really would like to find love. Like, why is it so hard for me? Honestly, I'm actually even right now pretty much on the brink of tears because of a situation that I'm in that I kind of vaguely talked about in circles before. But anyways, while I've talked in depth about all of these things that I have um, done or gone through or industries that I've worked in, one thing that I haven't touched on as much and I really realized that I wanted to touch on is the music industry and specifically, obviously, hip hop, because that's what I used to do. And I think it's really bizarre because I used to be so comfortable talking about hip hop and talking about rap and even beyond being comfortable doing it. I just wanted to do it. I just felt, I guess, like I had something to prove and like I had something in that space that I wanted to establish. And now having taken a few steps back from the industry for multiple reasons, but mainly, honestly, just because it just wasn't paying me what I needed to survive. Like truly, it wasn't sustaining my lifestyle. And I also did get fired from a few different publications over just some bullshit. I don't know, whatever. I don't even want to get into that. But the jobs that I had left and kind of the side hustles in the music industry that I had left, like A&R coordinating different records for labels, which I used to do for like 300 or being kind of an, an assistant, pseudo assistant, waiting to be a bigger assistant for um, cinematic at Cinematic Music Group in New York, or, you know, even writing for XXL, which I did, or managing artists, which I did uh, multiple different times for multiple different artists, whether they were bigger or up and coming. Um, all of these things that I did while I loved them, for the most part, they really did not pay the bills for the most part. And I will blame a large part of that for in my for my own. I'll blame it on my own naivete or however you want to phrase it, that I was not a smarter and more savvy businesswoman that I did let people kind of walk all over me and push me around and that I did accept less than what I was worth Hmm, sounds familiar like my relationships, but that's okay. We're going to cross that bridge when we come to it. But I did accept less than what I believe I should have. And had I had more negotiation power and just negotiation skills, I think I would have done better. And I really don't think it's the end for me in that space. I really think that this is just the beginning because if there's one thing I've learned beyond the fact that the music industry is pretty fucking dirty when it comes to women, especially like young women. Actually, that's a lie. Not just women. Let me not make it about sex. It's just it's a dirty game. And especially with how labels operate and what they decide to push and the ears that they put on certain things and the biases that they have and the money that they pay out versus the money they keep for themselves. I mean, you even see it 
in the ESTG situation with Interscope. I don't know if anyone's been following that. But if anyone is familiar, I am a huge, massive fan of ESTG. I fucking love him. I think he's so talented and I think he is destined to be one of the greatest rappers, one of the especially like in the lane of street rap and just like just being a pure I don't know, just being so real. He is destined to be one of the greatest, I think, of this generation. But since he's been at Interscope, this last album that he put out, what's whatever it's called, Bigger Than Life or Death, whatever. I don't know what the fuck happened. The mixing was bad. The song order was weird. And the songs that they chose as singles to release first and to shoot videos for, like Price Tag and some other shit, those were like the worst songs on the album, in my opinion. So I just know that labels, I don't trust them all the way for good reason, as I don't think anyone should. I think it's great now that people are seeing you don't necessarily need, well, you kind of do still to be on some of the bigger playlists and to get certain types of looks and pushes. And there's still a lot of money in different people's pockets in the music industry that is hard to navigate if you are not signed to something major. However, you don't need it as much as you used to. But in general, it's just a dirty game. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that I guess I've experienced just maybe for anyone else that's kind of curious about how this shit goes down behind the scenes but I also and this is largely because when I was doing off the record I realized I think the day after that there was potentially going to be another off the record episode that was more of like a hip-hop awards show or a reflection on you know just the music industry and hip-hop the state of hip-hop in 2021 and I was thinking like damn I would love to be on that I would rather be on that in a sense than this episode where we're talking about sex and relationships and all of the things that I have been talking about so publicly for the last month because the things they're the things that they people expect women to talk about like OnlyFans and stripping and it's all of the go-to subjects and it's not that those subjects aren't interesting but that hip-hop is so much more I guess timeless and I think the conversations sometimes feel more important and it's just sometimes a little bit more interesting to be debating about whatever the fuck happened in music this year. I mean, there's just, there's so much to talk about. So I realized that I would almost rather have been on that episode, but it was too late because I was already on this one. So obviously I can't do both back to back. That would be way too much. And people would be like, please get Claudia off the fucking air. Why is she everywhere? But I was thinking like, why can't I just do my own hip hop awards? And of course, as I thought that, I thought, well, it's obvious why you can't do your own. First of all, I don't think anyone really cares. And I also will acknowledge that I think there is, as I talked about in my No Jumper little panel thing, there is something inherently cringy about being a white person whose opinions on hip hop are well exist but that you that you feel like you somehow have to like assert some kind of dominance in the space or something or you're trying too hard 
to not be white, like I said on the panel. And I, I don't know what's worse, like having a white person who is unapologetically white talk about hip hop or having a white person who's trying to be black talk about hip hop. I mean, they're both really bad. I do think there's room there's obviously room for white people to be fans of hip-hop and just appreciate it. And I don't even mean to make this too political, but I just know when it's just me talking about it and just me giving my opinions, I don't know who would really care that much. As much as people used to let me write about it for a living, and I'm very grateful for that. And I would like to go back to doing that in some way at some point. But... Since I only have, well, one mic for now still until the new year, we will be getting two. And since it is New Year's Eve, and this is really, I mean, it's the last few hours of 2021. And I, you know, when the the year changes, you start to not care so much about what happened in the previous year. Like, you start to, I mean, you remember, but it feels less relevant and it feels less important even if what happened in the previous year could probably teach you a thing or two about what to not do in the new year it just having an award show for one year in the year after it makes it feels irrelevant it makes no sense so I knew that by the time January 1st rolled around aka in a few hours I would feel much less compelled to talk about any of these things like I do now so without further ado I present to you the 2021 Broke Bitch Anonymous Hip Hop Award show. I want to start off by saying that I think ESTG had one of the best years this year. Even though I think his album or project, I'm pretty sure it was an album that he put out, was not the best he could have done. I actually think all of his previous projects were stronger and just not even sonically, but like the shit he was rapping about before felt so real and it was so raw. And of course, a lot of that was still in some of these records on Bigger Than Life or Death, but the rollout of it confused me. The mix on like Riata Dada sounded really bad. I don't know what happened. Not to be too much of a you know too picky about it but it just really doesn't sound very good and like I mentioned before I don't think the the singles made any sense other than like 5500 degrees obviously with baby and Doug and all that um I didn't think that I think that it was probably his weakest project even though it did the most numbers because it got the biggest push obviously from Interscope and all of that um and I did find it well I always find it obnoxious but inevitable when the label will try and take credit for an artist like ES, well, any artist's success, when it almost seems like the label is the one that's kind of standing in the way more so than anyone else. Of course, they're giving the artist like G a push on different platforms and, and all that shit, but they're also like fucking up the sound. They're kind of fucking the vibes up. So, I think it's funny when different people who work at record labels start to take credit for something that was really happening way before they got involved. And you always see it with different labels and different whoever's. You always see people trying to take credit. So I thought it was funny that so many people were trying to take credit for this album. And I really thought that because of all the 
hands that seemed to be on deck, it was kind of not as great as it could have been. But the other irony of all the people that seemed to try and take credit for Bigger Than Life or Death is that, and I think ESTG really solidified this fact in 2021. Also artists like, obviously, like Pooh or, I mean, even Baby and Doug and Young Boy and fucking... Oh, so many artists. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But despite, of course, you need promotion. You need to be posted on different blogs. You need support from Rap Caviar and all of the Spotify playlists and just the industry in general, like 6 nines downfall is proof that you really do need support from all of these different outlets. You need it. If you're going to survive as an artist now... But at the same time, that shit doesn't really make artists hot anymore. Like, even me now, I still do a little bit of digital marketing stuff on the side for certain artists. If I know I can get them some looks on, like, different platforms and shit. Just a little, a little side something, you know. And, and if, it, if, the, if they're already kind of hot and if it makes sense, then I'm down to help. So I still do that stuff a little bit. So I probably shouldn't be saying this even. But... All of those posts and premieres and write-ups and things that we used to really, really value in music and in the industry, I would say around like 2016, 2017, 2018, when artists like Rich the Kid and all of that kind of swag rap shit was the hot shit. All of those posts and Instagram looks and that shit... That is not what makes an artist hot anymore. That is not how you sell records anymore. How you sell records now, yes, you need major label support to be massive most of the time. But how you sell records and get hot, it's the streets. It's like, if the streets fuck with you, Other people will fuck with you. It has to feel genuine. It has to feel real. People have to buy into this lifestyle that you're selling, that you're living, that you just fucking are. And a post on, say, Cheese or No Jumper or Vlad or whatever it is, it's not going to do it anymore at all. And if it did a little bit before, which I think it really did before, like artists would get posted on World Star or whatever it was, and they would gain a lot of traction. And now people just clown those artists. Like to really get popping, you it's the streets. And I feel like ESTG is the king of that this year, where his the industry support came after like Lil Baby seemed to genuinely fuck with him and 42 Doug was genuinely fucking with him and all of, I don't know, everyone with the name started to genuinely fuck with him. The industry flocked onto him. So it started to feel like he was almost this new industry plant that everyone was saying, oh, geez, the hottest, geez, the hottest, geez, the hottest. But before that, it was just the streets. Like he was just real. And 
as cringy as it might sound for me to be saying that is this like white girl being like it was the streets whatever I don't know I really think though it's an interesting way that the industry and hip-hop specifically has changed in the last few years and I'm happy for G that he had what I think is an amazing year and he had some fire records and even beyond that he had a lot of records that I think came out previously to this year like some of my favorite joints from him came out I realized in like 2019 or just earlier on that whatever that album was with the red album art and in 2020 he had like that was my favorite album that he dropped in 2020 but I think a lot of people went back and started to actually discover his shit this year because he got so much more exposure so overall he had an amazing year and I actually there was one time in Atlanta that I was in the studio with him um, and 42 Doug was there, and I think some other artists was there, and it was really, it was dope. I really hope, I wish him the best. This is not, and I will never be the person that, like, exposes people or says some shit like, oh, I think he was doing this and that, because honestly, it was just, like, good energy the whole time, and I feel like he's so focused on his career and his music that I can't see how it won't go even more colossal than it already has been but so that one night that I was invited to be at the studio with them I'm just very grateful that I was able to be there and I hope like if I'm in a when I'm in a situation like that again I hope that somehow maybe we can make something some kind of content or something because just seeing how people like that work is interesting and I just hope that he stays like I know he's had I know he's been through a lot. I think his mom passed away. I think it just, there's been a lot of shit that he's had to deal with in his life. So I just hope he stays like solid and doesn't get too involved in, you know, just drugs and shit that tend to fuck people's lives up. So I hope he stays good. I, I know he probably has good people around. And I'm, it was very, it was very cool for me that they let me come to the studio that one time. I hope that they let me come back. But that was, for me, one of the most exciting artists of 2021. And I hope the last thing I'll say about it, as the industry continues to kind of pseudo support him, because I do think Interscope is fucking his shit up. But, you know, there's a lot of big names that still fuck with him. There's a lot of big artists like Futures doing records with him now. And I think maybe Dirk and I don't know just a lot of people that are collaborating with him I hope that he doesn't start to feel like an industry plant or something like that I don't think he ever could I think he's too raw but I just hope that it doesn't start to feel too manufactured because the charm of it before for me was that it was just nobody was really talking about this shit not that it's something necessarily to be proud of like talking about fentanyl and all this shit that's really fuck fentanyl for real but it just felt very unfiltered and it felt like if you were going out and just kind of risking certain things in your life just to hustle like putting on some estg that's all for me this year half the time that i could even stomach listening to so thank you g for the music you put out this year and the years before and for just making it available to everyone like that was i'm grateful my favorite artist of 2021 for sure my other non-favorite artist of 2021, definitely one of my top five of all time, but who I think had 
a great year this year, even though he did not put out any album. He didn't put out any really anything and you know he could have like thrown his hat in the ring i feel even when like kanye and drake were doing their bullshit and competing over who was gonna have the best album and the biggest sales with certified lover boy and donda and blah 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 even when they were doing all that shit future he could have done some shit he would have he's big enough he could have been on some bullshit he could have put tried to put out a tape he could have just there was a lot he could have done but he didn't need to do any of it and I'm grateful he didn't because by not putting out an album I think Future had the most quietly successful year that speaks volumes I think it's like when someone walks into a room And they don't say too much, but everyone is still kind of paying attention to them. And you kind of know that they're the ones not to be fucked with, that they're the ones that are winning, that they're the ones that are confident because they don't have to sell you too much on what the fuck they have going on. They're just cooling. I feel like Future was that guy this year. One, because he was on like half of the biggest songs of the year. Um without putting out any big project or anything like that and two because he just solidified himself not only as like the toxic king meme master which he is but just as the guy who like can bring Kanye out can fucking just be the soundtrack to any toxic relationship bullshit Anything that you're kind of going through romantically that you need to get through, Future is that guy. It doesn't matter if he put the music out in 2015, 2016, this year. Future is the dude. Like, you can't argue with his legacy, with his run, with the pull that he still has across the board. I feel like Future really solidified himself as a fucking goat and a fucking legend this year and I love the fact that he's working with G now where it's like almost two different generations collaborating I love the fact that Future never seems like he feels like he has to do too much he never overextends himself but he's trying to prove you know something that we never asked for Future just knows Maybe some people might call him one-dimensional with what he raps about with, like, drugs and fucking some bitch and his Gucci flip-flops and whatever. But he's a genius in terms of knowing what people want to hear, but also somehow continuing to have depth in his music without always having to reinvent the wheel. Like, there's artists like Kanye that... I'm so grateful for, and we should all be fucking grateful for Kanye, truly, regardless of what you think of him, because with Kanye's records, like, sometimes when you hear them when they first come out, they kind of sound like ass, because they sound different than everything you're used to hearing, both from him and from pretty much any artist, like, in that time. But then when you go back, and I think people have said this before, but when you go back and you revisit Kanye's records in a year or two years or four years, they start to sound amazing because Kanye 
always shapes what music and what hip-hop is going to sound like. Like, he's the dude who is reinventing the wheel. And we need, we don't need Kanye's. We don't need too many people trying to fucking do this shit all the time. But you need someone like Kanye. He's so critical. He's, he is, like, a musical, not even genius, but he's just shaped so much of what we listen to without, I think, most people even realizing it, that... To say it's critical is a complete understatement, but with Future, the beauty of it is, like, when you listen to something like Cody and Crazy, it's very, it's not simple, but he's talking about some of the same shit that he always talks about, but there is, like, a depth to it, and there's a consistency, and it's concise, and it just is a fucking vibe and future just always knows how to bring the fucking vibe and i'm grateful that he brought kanye out at rolling loud i'm grateful that he helped kanye enter his healing phase through kim and whatever i hope kanye's entered his healing phase i don't know because apparently he's knocking the house down that he bought across the street from i don't know i don't know but i think future had a really i think he had one of the best years this year especially because i think Drake and Kanye, as much as I love Ye, truly, and I like Drake too, of course, I'm from Toronto, like, how could I not like Drake, and anyone who likes hip-hop, everyone who, anyone who says they don't like Drake is just a fucking hater, but I think Ye and Drake both kind of showed their asses this year in their, like, dick-measuring contest for their albums, which both were kind of, I think both were not as great as they could have been, I think both kind of were flops. Future just sat back, cooled it, gave us great music, gave us great memes, gave us great move on and fuck your ex energy. And I think in a year like 2021, where there was so much shit constantly hitting the fan, we needed a future and I'm grateful for him. So people might say I'm crazy that I think he had one of the best years because he didn't put music out. And obviously Future's run that he had in like 2016, 2017, I think, yeah, 2016, must, yeah, when he put all those projects out. 2021 doesn't necessarily compare to the run that he had, but it was the fact that he still managed to maintain so much relevancy without doing too much. So shout out to Future. Love you for life. Let me know when we can link up. Just kidding. All right, next artist that I think had a great year and that I'm really excited to see what happens in 2022 with him. Young and Ace. Young and Ace put out his album Life of Betrayal two times. Fire. He had joints with... Who who was even on the album? A bunch of different people. I know YFN Lucci was on it, which was like... I feel really bad for YFN Lucci, man. Like, for all of the music that he put out before... And for never necessarily achieving mainstream success, I don't think. I don't think Lucci ever crossed over fully to being, like, he's definitely not really, like, a household name or having a massive mega hit. And forgive me if I'm forgetting something, but YFN Lucci was never, like, a mega rap superstar. He wasn't. But he was good, and he gave us really good music, and he was really on his way to something much bigger. And I guess... I think he has, like, some beef with Young Thug or something. It's unfortunate. I don't know the specifics. I'm not going to get into that. But I do feel really bad for him that he's locked up right now. And people seem to have kind of forgotten about him. 
which is really sad. Like, he put out an album at the end of 2020, which was fire, and he had features from, like, Rick Ross, and a lot of the songs on that tape were really, really solid. Like, I still listen to a lot of that stuff, you know, fast forward a year later, but I feel I feel bad for Lucci, man. I hope he can get out, and I hope he can just all of the beef and just shit. I don't know what's going on, but I think he's really talented. I know he has a family at home and I was just always fucked with him. I always liked his music. So with Young and Ace, he put out Life of Betrayal two times. He had Lucci on it. He had a bunch of different artists on it. Um, that project was solid front to back. Like Young and Ace for being someone who has gone through an insane amount of trauma for having... I think three of his closest friends shot and die in front of him for all of the shit that he's seen to still create music that is so... There's such a wide range of different types of songs that he makes, I feel. Like, he's still making love songs and he's still making, you know, hardship. But in the hardship, he never, I don't think, feels like he has anything to prove. So... There's really, I think, like a beauty to his music where he can talk about some of the pain that he's been through, but without ever having it feel too something. There's just a purity in like the way that he talks about everything and the music he makes, I think. And I was so happy at the end of the year. Obviously, he had also Who I Smoke, which was a huge record this year. I can't believe I almost forgot to mention that. Even though I'm trying to like... This will never end, I don't think. And I'm not the one who should really be talking about it. But these big, like, beef records, it's never going to go away. As much as, obviously, even, like, Dirk said, oh, I'm not going to be rapping about, you know, anyone who passed away. I'm not going to be rapping about, like, any dead ops, this, that. And he still did it after he said that. As much as people say, and artists say that they're not going to do it anymore, it's what sells, and especially if you can make it sound good, it's just, it's a, it, I don't want to say it's a vibe, man, but it's like, it, I don't think it's going away. So, to a certain extent, I don't want to, like, champion who I smoke too much, but I think it's a great record, and I think it's, I mean, obviously with the Vanessa Carlton melody, it's fun as fuck, and... It's just dope that you can have a song that's that hard juxtaposed with, like, this big old pop record that I grew up listening to. So, and plus I was kind of working with Cinematic when that came out, so I felt vaguely involved in it. So that was really cool. Maybe I'm revealing myself to be slightly biased, but I really do think that it was one of the biggest records of the year. Um, and it also made Ace the superstar, like, it, it catapulted him to the next level. And I was really, really happy to see at the end of this year with Rick Ross's new project that he just put out, Young and Ace was on one of the songs. I think it's called Can't Be Broke. And they both snapped on it. Like, I think Ace has really found his own lane and his own sound that is not necessarily... He's from Florida. I think he lives in Houston, I think. But it's not necessarily like... When I think of Florida rap, obviously I think of, you know, Kodak and Rick Ross. And I mean, there's so many artists from Florida. But with Young and Ace, I don't think he necessarily sounds like a, a artist from 
Florida per se. I think he really has carved out his own sound. And I think that's really exciting watching him having done that this year because I feel like he's still really young and he's already been through so much that I just can't see anywhere else for him to go except exploding into an actual like mainstream superstar that you know becomes a household name and is able to make just huge ass records that resonate with like I hope the streets but also with just millions and millions of years just like around the world so I think Young and Ace had a really really amazing year this year I'm very happy for him um and definitely one of my favorite artists of the year hands down he's dope and also, like, if you ever meet him in person, not to, like, flex being like, I don't know, not, but he's a solid, genuinely nice person. And I know that a lot of people will act one way. Obviously, a lot of artists will be, like, nice to people if they know that they can, you can help them or, you know, it's just a, a few minutes of an interaction and then they turn around. And I've been around a lot of people. I know that people can be kind of two-faced. I know that artists aren't the nicest people in the world sometimes and I don't blame them. But Young and Ace is like genuinely a very, very solid character and nice person. And I don't think that anyone, despite all the trauma he's been through, will ever be able to take that away from him. I feel like that's part of the reason why he just seems to be protected. And I just wish him... Nothing but the best. So I'm really excited to see what the next year brings for him. And let me just say one more of my favorite artists this year. I guess this isn't really turning into as much of an award show as it is just me talking about who I think had the best year in hip hop. But since this is going a little bit long, the next person I think really had an amazing year, even though once again, he didn't necessarily put out as much music as I think he maybe could have or as much as music as I would have hoped him to put out no cap established himself this year as someone to not be fucked with no cap established himself as I don't know if he's independent, but as the opposite of anything of a industry plant as the opposite of anything manufactured or label created or whatever no cap is just it seemed to me as the year went on that dude that like your favorite rapper listens to and as I started to realize this and like dig deeper into his catalog and realize also that a lot of his best songs I don't know why I don't know what's going on with him or his team a lot of his best songs aren't even on DSPs like they're not on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever one of what I think is to be honest one of my favorite quote-unquote albums that came out this year that's really not an album and never came out is just this compilation of unreleased no cap songs on YouTube that I think has like less than a million streams or views and it's just different records that he has with like Kodak and Lil Durk and songs he's done by himself. And the way that whoever put it together, put it together, it bleed. The songs bleed really nicely into each other. It's a really beautiful compilation. And I think that going into 2022, I would love to see more like interviews from No Cap. I would love to just learn a little bit more about him because to be honest, I don't know very much. He seems to have kind of this like shroud of mystery over him still. But I think he had a few big records this year, like Vaccine and there are a couple other joints. He's another one of those artists that a lot of his 
in my opinion, some of my favorite shit from him came from previous years, but this was the year that I really discovered it. And this was the year it seemed like he got his shine, some of his shine. I hope more comes next year. And just a few honorary mentions for the Hip Hop Awards. Um, I want to give Money Man a quick shout out because he was another artist this year that I think finally got his shine. As much as like, it's hard. Well, they're very different. Money Man and Moneybag Yo are very, 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 very different artists. I think Moneybag Yo is fire. I love his music, but it's very obvious that there is massive major label support behind him, whether it's in the posts that he gets from all the different blogs, whether with by with like, you know, his lavish lifestyle and this and that. It's very clear that there's a lot of money behind the engine of Moneybag Yo. Not to say his music isn't dope. It's dope. And I think it's cool that he's also finally stepped into his superstardom. I fuck with Moneybag Yo, for sure. But Money Man, who I personally have been a fan of for longer than Moneybag Yo, I've just rocked with Money Man. I like his music. I like his vibe. I like what he's about. This year, it was really dope to me to see him step into this space of really owning his shit, which is very different his shit, by the way, is very different than a lot of other artists, I would say, a lot of other, like, hip-hop artists that are just in this space. Like, Money Man is talking about most music. He's talking about veganism. He's talking about crypto. He's talking about so many different facets of everyday life that most, I think, many artists would be not scared to talk about, but maybe just think it was lame or maybe a bit embarrassing or something like that. Money Man doesn't give a fuck, and he also knows that talking about all that real shit just strengthens his own persona, strengthens his own character, and I just respect the fuck out of it. I think he's also put a lot of people on in terms of crypto and helping them make money in different ways and just being entrepreneurs and being hustlers, so... And being healthy, too. Like, I don't do veganism, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think any... Anyone who's helping you be more mindful about, like, what you're putting in your body and how you're treating yourself, like, that's a W. And we don't have that many people in the hip-hop space that are talking about that stuff. So I think it's really cool what Money Man did this year. And I really think that he gained a lot of fans. And he, he seemed to gain a lot of attention very naturally from just being himself. So I think he had a really great year. And then the last two people, really quick, Lil Durk obviously had a huge year. I fuck with him. I think, as I said on Off the Record, I love him in India. Everyone wants to be someone's little... India, I was going to say everyone wants to be someone's little dark. I mean, maybe they do. But um, obviously, with everything Dirk has been through, I feel like he's had so many people close to him pass away, like whether it was King Vaughn or he's just had a lot of death in his life, it seems. It seems like he has really persevered. And I feel like one of his artists, Buka, what's his name? Buka 600? Buka? Buka? I think it, I think it's just Buka. Anyways, whatever. Um, I think he's really talented and I can see him becoming much bigger in 2022 and then ending the year by proposing to India and just being an example of someone that commits to one woman. I think it was, I think it's dope. I think obviously Dirk had an amazing year and just was one of the one of the goats of 2021 that's inarguable and then lastly i'm really not that big of a listener of this man's music but people seem to fuck with him so hard and i don't know if part of it is his relationship with drewski which i get it but jack harlow had an amazing year 
Like I as as a as a as a fellow white person in hip hop, I guess, <laughs> which sounds awful. I don't even want to say that. Fuck it though. Like I respect Jack Harlow. I think he makes great music. I liked some of his I had, he had a song with Babyface Ray this year that I think was dope. Um, he became the face or, like, something of KFC or, like, some limited edition run of KFC. I don't know. Some promo deal with KFC. He did a lot. People fuck with him the long way. Like, anytime Jack Harlow has a show in any city that I know people in, like, New York or Atlanta, I see so many of my friends posting on their stories, like, who has a ticket to Jack Harlow's show? Who has a ticket? And, frankly, I can't relate. Like, I'm... I if someone invited me to go to Jack Harlow's show, I'm down, of course. I'm sure he's a great person. He seems like a nice person. But I just I'm always shocked with how hard people fuck with him. So I respect it. I think Jack Harlow had an amazing year this year and I hope he has even more success in 2022. I have I have no hate in my heart for him. He for me seemed to be one of the brightest stars of the year for sure even though I again I don't really listen to his music but I feel like I probably should and I'm gonna start doing that and I want to quickly also talk about some of my experiences in the music industry maybe I'll wrap that wrap it up there but before I get there I just want to quickly mention some of the artists that I think are going to have really big year a really big year in 2022 First of all, Lotto, who she is 100% my favorite female rapper. And I don't even like to categorize like female rappers apart from just male rappers or whatever you want to categorize her as. She is so fucking hard. And in a world where I love Cardi B, but I think a lot of female rappers fall short on in two different ways. Like, for me, Meg the Stallion is... I got into an argument, actually, with a girl about this. I don't buy Meg the Stallion's whole thing. I don't like that she's received awards over people like Lil Baby or just artists that genuinely have way bigger fan bases and are bigger artists and, in my opinion, make bigger music. I don't like that Meg is always the favorite. I don't like the Tory situation and that Tory was pretty much blackballed by the whole industry when it seemed like the evidence was kind of unclear. Not to be some misogynistic bitch or, like, pick-me bitch, but it just seemed really weird how it was all handled. And I just... I didn't like how it was like, if you don't support Megan, then you're problematic and you're this and you're that. Megan has felt to me a bit like an industry plant and the way that she's responded, not that she is, but the way that she's responded to certain situations, I just, I think she's gotten maybe one too many flowers. She's really a massive artist and she's a good rapper, but why it's like everyone just wants to put her on this pedestal and I I haven't fully thought she was anything I'm about to say is going to piss people off but I just never really understood why on the other hand I think Lotto is so fucking raw she's so fire her music is just she's hard as fuck and she put out an album in 2020 that didn't get as I think it was what was it what was it? Was it Queen of the South or something? What was the album she put out in 2020? I have to check. Anyway, I'll check it after. But she, that album I thought was fire and she didn't get it didn't obviously get 
massive, massive attention. Um, but this year it seemed like she's really with her freestyles and stuff gained a lot of traction. And I just feel that going into this new year, I really hope that she becomes as big as someone like Meg has become and gets as much support as Meg has gotten from the industry. Like Lotto to me is so hard. She's just a rare rapper when it comes to female rappers because she's not necessarily just talking about like her just sex and and I don't know how to phrase it. Lotto is different. I feel like Lotto is just she almost raps like a dude but not in a bad way. It's refreshing. It doesn't feel like she's pandering to women to gain a bigger audience which I kind of feel like Meg does sometimes. It doesn't really feel like she's trying to be anyone but herself and that she's just like dope and authentic. And yeah, I just really, I I really like her music. So I hope that in 2022, she gets big. Another artist that I think, well, two more real quick, that I think are going to have big years in 2022. I think Trap Boy Freddy is about to have a really big year. And I think a lot of people don't see it coming. Maybe I'm biased because I worked with him a little bit at 300. I got a record with him and 42 Doug uh, done and cleared and stuff like that um, in 2020. That was cool. And I know some of the people on his team and stuff and I fuck with them. But I think Trap Boy Freddy is about to have a really big year. I think he's real. I think he makes good music. I think he's charismatic. I think he's been doing this for a minute and never really gotten all of his shine I think he just had an interview with Vlad or something also I just feel that he's like on the precipice of really breaking through and I'm excited to see it so I just have a feeling Trouble Freddy's gonna do it this year 2022 it's his year we'll see and one other artist y'all probably have not heard about but that I really think and hope is going to have a big year in 2022 and not his biggest year. It's going to be the start of it. But I think you're going to start to hear this name. Lil Bob. He has a song called Demons and he's also signed a cinematic. The guy who runs cinematic, Johnny Shipes, he introduced me to this to this artist. So again, call me bias or whatever. But if you do not listen to if you listen to the song and you don't feel anything, there is something wrong with you. Demons, demons you got to listen to Demons. Like, this guy... First of all, Shipes found Young and Ace. He found Nipsey Hussle. He found... He just has such an ear for not only talent, but, like... And it's funny because he's, like, this white guy that you... If you looked at him, you wouldn't think twice, probably, about him, like, knowing what's up, what the streets are fucking with and whatever. But he just has a fucking ear that you... It can't... You can't argue with it. It's it's Johnny Shipes like he's a legend and I've just tr- I trust his ear so much and when I heard this this artist like when I first was introduced to him he only had like I think a couple thousand streams on Spotify or something like no- nobody had been listening but it's just so solid and original and you just feel that shit in your soul so I think Lil Bob is gonna break out in 2022 i'm excited to see it i'm excited to see it 
And that, my friends, concludes the first annual Broke Bitch Anonymous Hip Hop Awards. What a weird sentence to say. I never thought I would say that sentence, to be honest. I wanted to give more of my experiences working in the industry. I don't have time now because each episode cuts off after an hour in the recording thing that I use. Maybe we'll do it on another episode. To be honest with you, most of my bad experiences and the experiences that might be somewhat interesting to people involve... Like, it's just a lot of dudes in the music industry, and a lot of them are going to try to have sex with you if they feel that they have some sort of power over you, which they usually do. And I experienced that many times over. But I also never ended up working with those people. I never ended up, obviously, being able to take them seriously. They never took me seriously. It just wasn't a vibe. I don't know how to talk about those experiences without, like, exposing people, so I'm gonna just leave it for now until I figure out a way to maybe package it nicely and tell a couple funny stories that might entertain anyone who's listening. I think most women who enter the music industry, specifically hip-hop, realize it quickly that... A lot of the industry is run on favors, like who owes something to somebody, who can you call to get something done, what power do you have over someone, what have you done for me lately. It's really a what have you done for me lately type of industry. And I think a lot of women who enter it naively thinking that they can just work hard and get ahead come to the kind of ugly realization that... It's a lot of power dynamics, and it's not that you have to fuck people to get ahead. You don't. But sometimes you almost have to entertain the fantasy of it. Honestly, between working in hip-hop and stripping, there's there's really a lot of similarities. And there's a lot of overlap in a it, to an extent that is frankly uncomfortable and that I wish didn't exist. But... That's really my experience in the industry. However, I do miss being able to just talk about hip-hop. I do miss writing about hip-hop. And sometimes people still ask me for my opinions on certain things. Um, especially, like, my old... One of my old co-workers at XXL. So, shout out to him. I will not name him because I don't want to embarrass him. But I appreciate when people ask me for that stuff. And as much as I'm not going to be talking about my favorite artists every episode. I'm definitely going to get some of them on here to just talk about their own finances, situations, stories in the new year. So stay tuned for now. Broke Bitch Anonymous, we out.